1: I got swine flu.
0: By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Sarah Winoker. Before we get to Sarah, here's a few announcements. First and foremost, our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. You can go there. You can see pictures of our guests. You can see stories that they've written, stories that I've written. You can see links to their social media And you can see links to our social media. And by that, of course, I mean Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram. Follow us there. Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. Links to our Facebook page. Find us there at Travel Tales Podcast. You can also find links to Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. We're on iHeartRadio. We're on Spotify. We're everywhere you get your podcasts. So please follow us there. Subscribe. And as always, I ask you, if you do listen to us on those platforms, please give us a like, a thumbs up, a good rating, because it boosts our presence and helps more people find it. So if you could do that, I'd appreciate it. If you want to write me, maybe you think you'd be good for the show. Maybe you know somebody who'd be good for the show. Maybe you got travel questions you want to ask me. Maybe you just want to heap tons of praise on me. Well, if so, you can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. Well here we are. We made it to May. We have signs of getting out of the pandemic, everyone. I am vaccinated. Got my second Moderna shot a couple weeks ago. First one I was fine. Second one kind of knocked me on my ass. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you. Never had a reaction from any kind of shot or vaccine before, and I've gotten a bunch of them. Mostly for traveling. Well, of course, as a kid to go to school and everything. But for traveling, I've had shots for tetanus, for hepatitis, for yellow fever. All this stuff, and never had an effect. But that second Moderna shot, woo! Got it at about 3 o'clock on a Friday afternoon. Was fine Friday night, and then the following day, on the couch. Fever got up to about 100 degrees, just laid around like a big lump. A Little bit of headache, a little bit of body ache, but by midday Sunday, I was fine, and now I'm ready to roll, and I actually have a flight booked for the first time in a year and a half, I'll be flying. Well, it's January 25th. January 25th of 2020 was my last flight. So right now at the end of May, the very end of May, Memorial Day weekend, planning to go to Florida of all places, seeing my family, seeing mom who's 85, my niece, nephew, sister, brother-in-law. It'll be nice. And I can tell you for sure that will not be the end of my traveling this year. No way. But it's a start. And for those of you out there booking trips, be aware that the Carmageddon, I like to call it, of rental car prices is a reality. They talked about this because of a lot of car rental agencies selling their inventory last year during COVID while they were just sitting there. They unloaded a lot of these cars. Well, now they have a car shortage, so they're charging a lot of money. And some of the prices I've been getting for rental cars in Florida and some other places, woo! beware. Beware. It's going to be weird going through the airport and walking on a plane again. It's you know something I just took for granted and didn't even think about for so many years and did it so often. Now it's like a big event. It's pretty wild. And speaking of getting back to normal, this episode drops on May the 6th, which also marks my return to the stand-up comedy stage. Something I've done for 30 years is perform stand-up comedy. And I have been off from doing it since March of last year, 14 months. And tonight and all weekend, if you are in the Orange County area, like our guest today, Sarah Winoker, I will be at the Irvine Improv May 6th through 9th, that's this weekend, opening for my friend Gary Brightwell and comedy legend Brian Regan. And if you've never seen Brian Regan, he's got Netflix specials out there. He's done a ton of Tonight Shows. He's amazing. And he's one of those comics where... Seeing him on TV doesn't really do justice until you see him live. He's so great. He's one of the best in the business. And Gary Braywell, my friend, usually opens for him on the road. And they had room for one more on the bill to go up and take the bullet and do the announcements, (laughs) do a short set beforehand and uh, close the show. That's going to be me. So I'm not going to be doing a ton of time, but it's a nice way to ease back in front of a sold out crowd. I'm sure it's probably sold out by now. We added a show uh for tonight that the thursday usually wasn't included so uh regan is the best and i can't think of a better way to return to the stage and see uh see what it feels like in front of a limited crowd of space tables i don't know what it's going to be but uh between that and the flying this is the month where i can feel some normality creeping back so i'm excited about it get your vaccinations please still wear your masks i'm still wearing it still social distancing Course, I never had a problem with social distancing (laughs) other than working. um, I'm pretty good at it, no problem. It was just the lack of travel that was killing me. So I'm looking forward to getting back on the road. And speaking of getting back on the road, today's guest, Sarah Winoker, is quite the expert in a place that is on my bucket list to go. And I'm speaking, of course, of Iceland. I have never been, I've talked about it forever. Maybe this will be the year. Who knows? At the time of this recording, Iceland is open to Americans who are vaccinated. So that's good. Those of you on the East Coast have a definite advantage of getting there from those of us all the way on the West Coast. But Sarah has been there many times. She loves it. She's a scientist by trade, a geneticist. And she went to Iceland to work on a book, on her first novel, loved it. Wrote her book, which is called Double Blind, The Icelandic Manuscript Murders. And ever since, she's kept going back. She lives here in Orange County in California. And she and her people reached out to me to see if she'd be a good fit for the show. And she was. I found her very interesting to talk to. And I hope you find her very interesting to listen to. You can find everything you want to know about her at com. That's S-A-R-A, no H, W-I-N-O-K-U-R.com. And we'll also have links to her site and her social media and Amazon book link and all that stuff at Traveltalespodcast.com. But for now you can hear her story and enjoy my conversation with Sarah Winoker. You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice our love. Sarah Winoker. Speaking from beautiful Laguna Niguel, California. Are you a native?
1: I have actually lived here for let's see, thirty years. Does that? I think I think now? you are.
0: <laughs> I'm at I'm at uh, 23, so
1: okay. well, you're, you're getting there. Yeah, I did grow up in New Jersey.
0: Hey, I'm going to do the uh, standard comedian joke. What exit?
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I do not remember. <laughs> it was a long time ago, and then I went to school in Boston, and then. Then I landed here. Yep,
0: where? Um, what town in Jersey?
1: Montclair. It's, I know Montclair. Yeah, it's not too far out of out of the city. The is city. that
0: is that uh, where Rutgers is?
1: Rutgers is a bit south of there. I'm trying to think of the town that Rutgers is in, but it's not all that far.
0: Okay, cuz I lived in uh Brooklyn for a little bit 96 97 and there was uh-huh. a comedy club in Montclair, New Jersey that I cannot recall for the life of me. But as soon as you said Montclair, I was like, "Yep, I know that place." Uh, yeah. And was- Boston, you went to school where?
1: I went to Tufts University. Okay. Yeah.
0: I've said this before. I'm always jealous of people that go to school in Boston because yeah. it's just the greatest. It's the world's biggest college town.
1: Absolutely. Ever. Yeah. How many colleges are there? It's like 50 or something, right? Yeah. yeah. So it was really a fun, it's a fun time in one's life. (laughs) I bet. And yeah.
0: Well, What brought you to California other than the weather?
1: Initially, my husband who was at Tufts Medical School and he, he is from California. So he got his internship back here in California.
0: So, but you are also, you're a doctor or you're a scientist. I know.
1: Yes, I am a scientist. I um, I got my PhD in molecular genetics at uh, University of California, Irvine. When I first moved here, so I I practiced well. I I performed research there for for lots and lots of years, maybe twenty years, up until eight or nine
0: years ago. A molecular geneticist.
1: Yes. So we essentially were researching and analyzing different human genetic diseases like muscular dystrophy, uh, Huntington's disease, and quite a number of others. Uh, we first attempted to, and we were successful in identifying the mutations that cause those diseases. And then the next step is to figuring out how it's causing the problem. How those mutations are causing the problem, and we're now at the point of trying to see how we can either, you know, completely fix the problem, or at least uh, ameliorate or lessen the severity of, of of those.
0: You and my mom would get along great. She was a PhD and taught uh, immunology.
1: Oh, yeah. at a medical
0: school up in uh, in Chicago.
1: Oh, she's probably been quite busy this year answering a lot of questions. I
0: know. <laughs> uh, she's uh, she's 85 and watches hockey in Florida now. So that's okay. so you have that to look forward to as a scientist.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: <laughs> so tell me about uh, Iceland and the book that you wrote and uh, how many books have you written actually now?
1: So I'm. That was my debut novel. It's called Double Blind: The Icelandic Manuscript Murders. I am now on my second novel, which I hope to finish within just a few months. It's also set in Iceland, but it's a different mystery thriller. Some of the same characters. Um, the first book involved a um, involves a forensic geneticist not surprisingly, who <laughs> so, um, uses DNA uh, Iceland's DNA database in order to solve crimes. One of the personal crimes that she wants to solve is the disappearance of her bro- younger brother 20 years ago. Um, and uh, it, it gets into, so she begins to receive clues as to, his whereabouts, and as she follows up those clues, bad things start to happen. And um, I'm not going to give away what what happens in the end, but, <laughs> but the book does have a lot. I just have fallen in love with Iceland and its its culture and its history and its landscapes, uh, its people, and it has a lot of. I hope, entertaining information about Iceland, about the various regions and their kind of quirky culture and the foods that they eat and, and so forth. So I had a good time writing it.
0: Yeah. So, uh Iceland is on my dirty dozen of uh bucket list that I still haven't been to. I've been to almost a hundred countries, but I still haven't made it there. That's and right. yeah. And they, uh, it's fascinating the, the story of Iceland in terms of just what's happened in the last fifteen years of how it became this place that nobody went to yeah. a place that everybody went. So tell me about your when was your first time there and why did you go and what what about it hit you so hard that impressed you? Uh,
1: well, first of all, I think the. Before I answer those questions, I think one of the reasons Iceland did become so popular is that it feels like a very safe country to go to. And after after 9/11 and 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 you know, both domestic and international terrorism, I think people felt like Iceland, I can go to Iceland and not worry about any of that. So I think that's part of the reason, but it certainly got over-touristed. And I think that this past year I know, I understand that those in the travel business have really suffered there, but um, the natural resources have really rebounded. So there are some sil- silver linings there. Um. So I didn't even answer any of your questions. Before.
0: Well, I know <laughs> about the overtourism, they have, it's been written about, and I worry about it. It's always used as an example of overtourism and how yeah. this little island of only of like, but two hundred and fifty thousand people yeah, or something it's, just it's, did not have the infrastructure and resources to handle these waves of people, you know,
1: yeah right. every year, like something like seven to eight fold increase um, like seven to eight fold more people like tourists versus residents of of Iceland come in the summertime, so it's overwhelming. But anyway, they've had this chance now during this year to, to install some infrastructure. And, and, and actually, Iceland is one of the very, very few countries that we as U.S. citizens, if we have been vaccinated, can travel to without even getting tested. But you've got to show proof of vaccination.
0: And it's also uh, close for the East Coast people, like from Boston and New York. Yeah. And it's, a, it's not a bad flight. And it, there's a lot of them.
1: That's right. Both both JFK and Boston, and it's, what, five or six hours. Yeah. yeah.
0: What was the first year you went?
1: So the first year I went was in 2013. That was right after I took early uh, retirement from doing research at UCI, and I can get into why that is later.
0: You can retire at 35 now?
1: Yeah. Hey,
0: that's how it's done, gentlemen. That's how you do it. (laughs) Ah, <laughs> smooth.
1: Sure. Uh huh. Um. So I went. So I. Uh, well, I will tell you, I had ovarian cancer. I'm completely. Oh, fine. I'm sorry. Yeah, ten years ago, totally fine. No sign of it. I'm considered cured.
0: Well, congratulations.
1: Well, thank you. But for so for the first year or two, I thought. Well, I had to focus on my health, and then by the third year, I was like, okay, this is getting a little boring why don't I try to do something different with my life? So I thought, okay, I'm going to write a a novel, a work of fiction. And having a background in genetics and knowing that Iceland has this, uh, it's not a national DNA database, but it is a database that contains DNA of most of their citizens. Um, And it's being utilized to identify mutations that cause very common disorders. So I thought um okay I'll, I'll I'll go visit that company and see what I can learn you know just just see if I can you know get some do a little research on that as as possibly a um a partial foundation for the book. So so I went to Iceland and was just astounded by by the beauty of it first of all the stark beauty of it. Um, all of the, the contrasting bits of nature they have there, the, the resilience of its people, they have a great sense of humor. I just sort of fell in love with the country and, and I've been back seven or eight times since I've spent a lot of time there.
0: Have you ever been back, uh, in the, uh, the thick of winter or has it only been summer trips?
1: No, I have been there in um, the earliest in the year I've ever been there uh, was in March. And that's pretty much a thick of winter there. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they, they actually just have two seasons. They don't consider that they have a spring and a fall. And actually, today is what they call the first day of summer.
0: Oh, okay. And this is April 22nd.
1: Yeah, actually, yesterday was the first day of summer. Sorry. Okay. Um. So, uh, the reason for that is that they used to count um, children's ages in uh in winters, like how many winters they had survived. So, which is just a little interesting factoid. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, in March I had a couple of uh couple of interesting experiences there with uh, with weather.
0: <laughs> How'd your California blood do?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I I can tolerate weather, um, it, it, but there were a couple of instances. Once I went uh, snowmobiling up and up in a glacier. And, you know, these storms come in just out of nowhere and a, a, a blizzard came in. I fell over. I mean, the whole did I say snowboard? I meant snow. No,
0: you said snowmobile.
1: <laughs> OK, because I wasn't snowboarding. <laughs> um, the snowmobile tipped over and it was a total whiteout. Could not see <laughs> a damn thing. And I think it must have been 20 minutes or so before the rest of the group realized that I wasn't even with them.
0: Oh, my God.
1: So I thought, OK, if I have to die somewhere, it's yeah. not a bad place. So um, but they did realize and they came back and, you know, they actually have an amazing search and rescue operation there in general in Iceland because because of the. Weather. Oh, sure.
0: Yeah. I like how uh, you sit there and you're probably lying there and going, really, ovarian cancer I beat, but a snowmobile, <laughs> this is how it ends
1: I don't know if you've been snowmobiling, but those are some... Oh, heavy, yeah. That's some heavy machinery, and sure. that was the first time, so... It's I mean, fun,
0: but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it can be uh, dangerous.
1: So, so that was fun.
0: <laughs> so this is the other rumor I hear about uh, Iceland, is the cost, that uh, once yeah. you get on that island, things are not cheap. So if for people want to go... Um, how much are we looking to have to spend in any kind of decent accommodations? And what's a meal at a restaurant cost? How much is a beer? What yeah. is?
1: Um, you know, oftentimes when I go, um, we rent a house, either Airbnb, or we do have these two homes up in North Iceland. Not we personally own them, but we do rent those two homes up in North Iceland. And, it, and, and you can share those, like if you go with a group of friends, and the cost is very, very reasonable. Much more, much more so than staying in a hotel. Do you? Um, and then, and then of course um, you can, can, you can use the kitchen to, to cook your own meals if you choose to, because the restaurants are very expensive. Uh, you know, beer could be, I don't know, 12. I, I, I don't drink a lot of beer, but it could be 12 bucks or, you know, more. And, you know, once we took this family out to, uh, you know, we've made some friends there, especially this one family. The guy is hysterical. So we took him and his wife and his three kids and his brother and his wife and you know my family and I think the dinner cost us nine hundred dollars.
0: Oh my god. <laughs> because wow. they had
1: no qualms about ordering anything they wanted. Oh. <laughs> like that's that's really on the extreme. But yes, food, food is expensive, but you can, you know, there are lots of local market markets with um, pretty f- fresh foods because they do now have very high tech greenhouses in which they grow vegetables, um, cucumbers and tomatoes and lettuces. And of course, they've got the ocean there for fish. And, you know, you can you can get along there. Uh, you know, it's still relative to many countries more expensive, but it doesn't have to be. Right. And I, one last thing I would recommend is, is getting outside of Reykjavik.
0: I was going to ask that. I mean, because uh, that's the capital and then really the only quote unquote city. I yeah. mean, that's um, but yeah, it must be more to stay there. And do you have to rent a car or how, how did you get around usually?
1: So we do usually rent a car. There are no trains. Um, you can fly. They have a fair number of um, internal domestic flights from from downtown, like um, not the international airport in Reykjavik, but the domestic airport that will take you up to the West Fjords or to North Iceland or to East Iceland and um you don't necessarily need a car but there are many places that you can't go without a car so it's I,
0: yeah are there bus services i mean that you can yes, get to-
1: there are buses uh not a whole lot of them and um depending on the weather the, you know, you can't always count on being able to get from A to B on a, in a timely manner.
0: Can I rent a snowmobile and just for the week and just take that around?
1: <laughs> sure. Good, good luck that. <laughs> Bring a
0: GPS system and clip it to me. There a you beeper. go. <laughs> Did, uh, well, this is the other thing about it that, uh, you know, they, the locals, how have they, you know, they've seen their country change immensely in the last yeah. 20 years because they, I always found this story funny. All of a sudden, during uh, the early 2000s, all of a sudden, Icelandic bankers were buying things like English football teams. And, you know, all of a sudden there was a lot of money. They really jumped into this banking thing. And then when it collapsed, they got hit hard.
1: Real hard. Yeah.
0: And uh, people went to jail, unlike here. Yes. People, they actually sent their bankers to jail. (laughs) <laughs> um, but a lot of people went down with it and they lost a lot. Uh, did you, were you, did you see that up and down? Were you there no, for that?
1: Not so much because that was in 2000. Oh,
0: you, oh there you came in 2011. Then, yeah, okay.
1: Yeah. The, by the time I started going there, it it certainly had begun to rebound. And then just between 2013 and 2019, which was my last visit because of COVID, I just saw this tremendous surge of tourism. So, I mean, they, they, certainly the tourist industry, the travel industry rebounded. Um, obviously, they've had their troubles this year like everyone else.
0: But were they getting, because I've worked on cruise ships, and I hear cruise ships were stopping. And maybe I read that it was Iceland, or, or, but some cities have realized in this past year, you know what, we're not bringing cruise ships back.
1: Right. I think uh, you know, I was just looking at all of the countries that we are now we can now go travel to without quarantining and I think you're right. I think in that article I was reading, of course, about Iceland too, that I think they are not allowing cruise ships at least, you know, for the time being, which I think makes a lot of sense.
0: Oh yeah. And this look, the tourism dollar. I've seen it in ports and these little cities all over the place. It's a double-edged sword. You know yeah. they see the money opportunity, but yeah. also you know there's the other half of the population who think their country's being ruined so yeah. um and I'm sure you know, with such a small population it it hits pretty hits every single person so how have you in talking to the people have you fi- have you met both sides of the debate?
1: Yes, I certainly have um you know, we 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 know a actually he's an Icelandic film producer who lives half in California and half in in Iceland. And he's quite the entrepreneur and has established like has bought up a number of hotel chains and um and and food like restaurants and so forth. And, you know, so he's benefited tremendously financially from it. On the other hand, this other family that I was referring to are farmers. They live outside of the second largest city, which is only about 30,000 people um, up in the North of Iceland. And they live, you know, a pretty quiet, lovely life there um, with, with sheep and horses. And um, he, he does run like tour groups and so forth, but but now they're talking about like re like um, gentrify. I don't know what you would want to call it, but but altering the landscape of downtown Akureyri which is this this uh, city, and he's they're really pretty despondent that it's just turning into another Reykjavik, which they feel is like you know
0: New York right. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's also like a there could be I guess we would call it a Disneyfication of their culture you know, and then it's like, okay, we're going to do a traditional dance. And you come out in your little costumes yeah. and uh, you're kind of like selling your culture as a product. Yeah. And sometimes they, they feel that it's like that cheapens it a little bit.
1: Yes. You know? And I'm sure you have seen a lot of that. I've in- seen a lot of that. That you visited. Yeah. I, I'm but, so impressed that you've been to one hundred.
0: <laughs> well, you don't start a travel podcast if you're, if you're not into it, yeah. but you, um, but also the problem with it is is a lot of the money only goes to, you know, a select few. It doesn't yeah. it doesn't trickle down as they as they say.
1: Right. That's right. Yeah.
0: Um but I mean I'm sure yeah, Reykjavik and and a few other places are benefiting more.
1: But Isn't it's hard. but it's
0: also crowded, you know. A lot of it's them they, they can't deal with the traffic and everything else.
1: And it, it's harder and harder for many, like in Reykjavik, for instance, many homeowners are turning their homes into Airbnbs, and so it's it's getting much harder for the young people. Not only is it difficult to do, find a job at this point, but to be able to find an apartment or yeah. that's reasonably priced enough.
0: Well, um, we yeah every city reasonable. here takes that problem you know they, they tried to crack down on airbnbs and places because just like you said it takes apartments off the rental market so there's less inventory and what's there the prices go up because yeah. there's more money in them to rent it out short term right. and have long term
1: it's particularly difficult for young people there i think that that you know don't already have a home or aren't already established in a job
0: do they find that because the country's so small And opportunities may not be limited that a lot of their best and brightest young people leave like they go to London or they go, you know, know, emigrate.
1: They they have always had very close ties with Denmark. Yeah. Iceland used to be a protectorate of Denmark. So I I would say many of them are, uh, you know,
0: they go to Copenhagen,
1: live in live in Denmark as well. But, um, you know, given a choice. You know, Iceland is their homeland, and they're very family-oriented people. Um, It's it's basically one big family.
0: Yeah. Are they also (laughs) related to, like, five people? I mean, if you trace it back, you're a genealogist, you know. I mean, there was probably, like, a few clans that started the whole population. Yeah,
1: something like nine or ten clans came over from from Norway back in (laughs) – just be, just about a thousand AD, maybe a little
0: bit right. Later. So f- a few um, Viking families came by and that was yeah.
1: A- and and uh, most people there can trace their ancestry all the way back to to one of those clans. I don't know if you've heard of something called the Icelandica book. it's a it's an app that you can put on your iPhone. And it essentially, since they know the whole genealogical tree of who's related to who, or whom? Who's related to whom? Um, you can, if you are uh, not, you know, if you're out at a bar, for instance. Not you personally, but if one is out at a bar drinking and finds this guy like really cute, you can look it up on this app to see how closely related he is to you. Yeah. To find out that, like for sure, he's not your half brother. Right. or you know, first right. cousin
0: oh, their eighth cousins or whatever.
1: Yeah. yeah. So they do have this app that uh, that is you know. Definitely- well, that was
0: probably born out of necessity for uh, you yeah. know you don't want in- inbreeding or uh, maybe there's like in your business is there like a genetic aspect to that and they get, you might have both some kind of mutations or something that.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that is how you know they're they're. Some genes are what are called dominant, and you only need like one inherit from one parent. But others are recessive, and if you get the mutation from both parents, then you get the disease. But so if both parents are kind of related, the chance that they might both have that recessive mutation are are definitely increased. So,
0: well, this is a problem that you know I'm going to look at the dark side and be you know devil's advocate on this one of the reasons maybe that they want to trace all this and you know there's there is a fear of outsiders in a lot of places and uh you know some xenophobia and sometimes things like racism and stuff like that are they worried about you know there's there's there might be a hardcore uh right-wing uh faction of of icelandic people that are like, Hey, you know, we want to keep this Island quote unquote pure and well, don't want these outsiders in mixing up our gene pool.
1: I, I have not met those people, but I am sure there must be a,
0: every country has one
1: but. population that feels that way. Also, you know, it is a very small country. They have a language that is nobody else speaks And they're really um, concerned about losing that identity. And so, of course, that's the language that they speak at home and the kids are taught in school, but they um, will not allow um, foreign words to enter the Icelandic vocabulary. So let me think of
0: What about all the computer words like app and uh yeah, right <laughs> Trying like-
1: of what some of those are like uh like a computer is like uh called a tolva i believe this is correct a tolva book and a tolva no okay telephone instead of saying telephone or iphone it's called simi which is a thread
0: Oh, well, so hmm. they
1: come up with these terms that, you know, kind of make sense in terms of the whatever appliance or technology is. And then a tolva book. Oh, this is that's right. Tolva is like a prophetess or a, like a seer, like somebody that can see into the future. And a book. So that's the word for a computer.
0: Oh, that sounds incredibly difficult and time consuming. Yeah.
1: <laughs> But they have, and they have a naming commission. Oh, so that uh, you cannot name your child just anything you want to, like apple or fig. Or <laughs> it's got to be an approved Icelandic name.
0: Okay, I like how all their names end in son and daughter. Daughter, d i yeah. d o t t i r.
1: That's right. Or
0: you are? Is it I R or you? Oh,
1: you're right. You're right. It is I R. And they- yeah. It can get a little confusing. You know, <laughs> the, the origin of that, as I'm sure you probably know, is they, they take the father's first name mm-hmm. and then they add son if he has a son and add daughter if he has a daughter. So if his name is Jan, for instance, J-O-N, it would, the son's name would be so-and-so Jonson. Mm-hmm. The daughter would be Jan's daughter. So nobody in the, and then the wife does not generally take her husband's name. So she's got her father's name, say it's uh, Gunnar. So she's got so and so Gunnar's daughter. So you have like four people in a family and nobody has the same last name. <laughs> so it's, it could, it can get a little confusing.
0: Right. I guess. <laughs> uh,
1: Probably not so much for them. <laughs> But
0: that's yeah. I find that really interesting. So uh, on that same uh, topic of outsiders, I know there's been people over the years, especially in the last 20 years, probably trying to emigrate there and live there. What is the citizenship requirements and are, are they even going forward at all? I mean, how many people are they letting in on that little island?
1: Uh, they are not encouraging. um You've either got to be, you know, part Icelandic um, to move back there. Interestingly, this year with COVID, they are welcoming people. I'm not so sure about citizenship status, but welcoming people that can demonstrate they have X amount of income and that they they work for a, you know, um, an established company so i think they're they're okay with letting in people that uh you know can support the economy and contribute to you know innovation there and so forth but no it's very difficult to move there and even get any kind of residency much less citizenship it's a right. very i, I don't need, i i i considered it at one point but it's uh you've got to live there for you know, X number of months, a year for 10 years. And it's it's just a very lengthy process.
0: So, but Americans don't need a visa to visit.
1: No, not at all. Okay. Very easy to visit. Um, The flights can be pretty reasonable. And, you know, as I said, I would just recommend um, either getting an Airbnb or sharing a house with um, some friends and, uh, you know, just going to the local markets and, you know if you want to keep the cost down
0: right other than the dead of wind other than you know the heat the heart of winter um is there another time that you don't recommend going like is august just way too touristy and july and august i mean do you not go then even though it's the best weather there's a reason why it's packed right? right like ireland
1: yeah <laughs> i would say july is the absolute worst um in terms of number of tourists just completely overrun but probably the first two three weeks of august are are also quite touristed towards the end of august and the beginning of september um in my mind these are the ideal times to go like maybe the month of september you've just got everything because the snows haven't really come in so it's still really lush and green Um, And easy to get around. You're not going to get lost in a whiteout. (laughs) Um, And you have a good chance of seeing some northern lights, even at that time of year. Um, And it's just like the the weather is is still good. And you don't have the number of tourists that you have in, in the middle of summer. So that's sort of my favorite time to go.
0: That's in, always the best. September's the best month in just about any place in yeah, the uh, no. Northern Hemisphere. It's the best that's month that's in right. Chicago. It's the best time to go to most cities in you know Europe. And yeah, September's the best. September's the best. Just like, we'll let those kids go back to school and yes. then take off. Yeah.
1: yeah. Or even late August. We were there in late August. And it, was, it was terrific. Blue skies.
0: Yeah. Okay. Like a whole week. <laughs> <laughs> Is there, um, I'm, a, I'm, I like food. So I'm assuming it's a lot of fish, um, probably not a lot of spice, I'm guessing. As a, I'm guessing a more of a Scandinavian diet type. Yeah, stuff. not
1: not a lot of, um, you know, their diet has changed a lot, of course, since the time, even, even you know, 50, 100, 50 to 70 years ago. They had to depend on eating, well, not only seafood, of course, but um horse meat, uh puffins.
0: Oh puffins.
1: Puffins, which Aww. is actually I know they're so cute. There are <laughs> a lot of them. And it's actually red meat because you know they're they're they have to fly so rapidly.
0: Oh. So
1: they have their, their red meat and, um, and they used to eat whale. Not yeah. So More.
0: They were on that list. That was my only, uh, yeah. yeah, them in Norway and I love Norway, but they were still killing red whales. Still,
1: yeah. But most people are not eating whale. Um, and
0: reindeer, any reindeer. Oh,
1: uh, you know, I've, um, they do have, is it caribou or reindeer?
0: Yeah. In the- and in Norway they eat reindeer but I mean it's kind of yeah. the same thing.
1: That's not generally like you wouldn't see that on a menu or in the market I don't think. I mean I right. have. Um and they used to eat have you heard of this fermented shark?
0: No, but I know the uh what lutefisk that the Swedes eat. You know, you know the and people in Minnesota still do the old people and it's just a, it was like cured in iodine or something. It was the most disgusting smelling, awful thing. So what do what they like eat? The
1: dried fish cakes.
0: Oh, okay. I've heard of that. Okay.
1: Fisk is fish. Yeah. So it must be some kind of fish cake. But um, so people do not eat this any longer. But <laughs> you know, when you're when you're really challenged uh, to survive, you eat what you what you what's available to you.
0: Potatoes, a lot of potatoes.
1: They don't have a lot of potatoes. I think it's really? just too cold, maybe.
0: Yeah, maybe you're right.
1: Yeah, but they they do grow, um, you know, barley, um, mm-hmm. and um, they eat a lot of lichen and moss and like algae stuff from the sea. Uh, but this they used to up until I don't know two three hundred years ago eat um, Greenland shark which is uh, obviously lives in very, very cold water. And the reason that the shark's blood does not freeze is because it has urea in it. It's like antifreeze, basically.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: So you can't just take a, a Greenland shark, you know, cut it up and, and cook it because it has this like urea, which is very toxic. So what they used to do is take the whole shark, actually skin it and just take the meat, and then bury it deep in the earth and let that urea at, or like antifreeze, whatever you might want to call it, leach out of the meat. And then after several months, they'd haul it back up and cut it up and eat it. Wow. And they still like most tourists that go to uh, at least up in the north of Iceland, they'll be giving an, given an opportunity to uh, taste that. And did you? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: And what does it taste like? Don't say chicken.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, people talk about how disgusting it is, but I I thought it was just sort of like a, a really tough uh, blue cheese.
0: <laughs> okay. Oh.
1: White. It's not something you'd really want to have. For no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank God we have evolved a bit since, yeah. Uh, since that. Yeah. Uh, so, Yeah, I I assume the um, pastries may be good.
1: Oh, so good.
0: Okay, there.
1: Pastries. They have something called Bunday.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they do. I'm sorry. (laughs) Bunday.
1: um, They're really into their pastries. Mm I don't know the names of them, but, uh, you know, coffee is the drink there, not tea.
0: Sure. Vodka?
1: They drink uh, a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. Vodka is one of the the favorites. There's a we we can even get this here. It's called Reka.
0: Oh, reika Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's it's uh the water in it, it has been distilled or filtered through this like three thousand year old lava field, so it's really pure and filtered. And then um, I don't know the rest of the process of making it, but it's good.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So can you, um, speaking of volcanoes, one is erupting now, I think. Have you seen a live volcano there? And can you, how close can you get?
1: I have never. And I'm hope I am going there in June. And I am hoping that it's still erupting at that point. Um, Because so far, there have been, I think, a total of five different fissures that have opened up. And so it it may keep erupting. It's it's not like that one that was in two thousand and ten, I think it was. Um um what was it called? Yala Fiala Yokel or something. Oh
0: yeah, the one that like blacked out the whole sky in, in yeah. over North America, even. I mean, yeah, planes couldn't fly and all that.
1: Exactly. So this is not this is more of just like a flowing lava kind of volcano. And it's right outside of Reykjavik. Well, you know, not blocks outside. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I've seen the Instagram videos of people like playing volleyball in front of a flowing lava and stuff. It's crazy.
1: I guess it's, you know, flowing. It's the type of volcano that's, I guess, um, just more of a lava flow rather than this, you know, spitting.
0: Spitting out, spitting rocks and everything. Yeah. What, how, uh, how big of a state is it? Is it like the size of Pennsylvania or something, or is it even smaller than that?
1: It is the size of Colorado. Okay. That's
0: decent size. It's bigger than I thought it was, actually.
1: Yeah. And it has um you're right. It ha it has 350,000 um Icelanders live there. Mm-hmm. Which is um which is very similar to the population of Boulder. A well <laughs> I was just looking this up and it's like the same as Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. The city. That's yeah. That's how many people live in the entire country. And two-thirds of them live in Reykjavik. Reykjavik.
0: yeah, yeah. So
1: the rest of the country is so... Empty. Empty and just so beautiful to explore.
0: So what regions would you say for the first-time traveler? Because all we know is Reykjavik and the Blue, the blue Lagoon.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, what else do we have to see? And what are some of the hidden places that maybe you know, that you have the insider tip on?
1: Yeah. Well, I would first recommend giving yourself at least 10 days if you can, not
0: five. 10. Okay.
1: Yeah. If you can like, oh, 5 day work week and squeeze it out over both weekends or something, go to Reykjavik for two days at the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and you will still have to make some choices about where to go. The South coast is beautiful in terms of its greenery, um, beautiful waterfalls. There is a lagoon there where you could take a Zodiac um, and, and it, it's kind of like floating through the icebergs there, which is which is a pretty cool thing to do if you go early enough in the summer. My favorite part of Iceland, though, is in North Iceland, outside of this town I was referring to. It's called Akureri, A-K-U, <laughs> Um <laughs> Anyway, it's the second biggest town in If you Google it, people will find it and it's on a fjord. It's got everything. It's got, you know, there are hotels, there are restaurants It's not a big town, but there's enough to do. There's a a great music venue that two great music venues there. So there's a lot of culture. There's also like whale watching. You can take a, you know, a boat out to this gorgeous little, island in which they'll um you know serve you some really unique and tasty foods um and really the most gorgeous waterfalls of all are in that area um what else so i would highly recommend it and it's an it's like a 40-minute flight from Reykjavik to Akureyri. so and you don't really necessarily need a car there Um, And then they have also um, some more natural uh, geothermal spas, more natural than the Blue Lagoon. Um, Another area that we really enjoy is called the West Fjords, and it's the least visited part of Iceland because it's probably the takes the longest to get there. It's on the West
0: Coast, I'm assuming
1: yeah yeah <laughs> if you Northwest Coast, that's right. Um, and it's uh they've got just tremendous um uh, bird life these they, the Atlantic coast comes up to this uh steep cliff called Lauterberg, which is where all the the seabirds nest, including puffins and you can you can literally crawl up to like within two feet of them and watch them nest and that's that's really pretty cool. Um, those, those, I would have to say are my favorite places. E- East Iceland is, is also really nice, but takes forever to get there. So unless you've got, you know, a good two or three weeks where you can do, like, I would never recommend saying I'm going to Iceland for a week and I'm going to, I have one week and I'm going to travel the entire ring road, which circles the entire island. Cause you are just going to be in your car
0: right yeah. most
1: of that time and yes they're beautiful landscapes to look at but you know you're not going to have the time for for bird life or hiking or you know soaking in these hot baths and talking to the people there and so you have to kind of pick and choose
0: this is what i uh, i this is my request i'm gonna submit my request your uh, request to you as a writer yes come up with uh because i'm sure i'm not the first person to ask you hey we're going to iceland where should we go yeah, and so uh, to not uh, have to explain to people the same thing over and over again, just write a seven-day itinerary, a five-day itinerary, and a yeah. ten-day itinerary.
1: The Lily planet,
0: and just write it out, and just like and send and put it on your site or whatever, and just go. Here's the link.
1: That's an excellent idea. You know, yeah. I have I have written up something in terms of like what I would consider the best of Iceland. But I have not broken it down into those like time periods, which is a really good idea.
0: Because Americans, you know, they don't, they don't, they, what I find is we never give enough time to a place. A lot of times we don't have the time, but we don't
1: have the time.
0: And, uh, you know, I'm traveling slower these days. Mm -hmm. And, but, uh, you know, it was a time when I was first traveling, I was that guy. Well, we got to do the whole ring road and we got to see the whole thing in uh, five days. You know, we got to do Europe in six weeks. And it's like, well, you're not going to see. You well, know,
1: it's a, a trade off.
0: Yeah, yeah, right, right. So, um, yeah, I'd love to see because you know, I, I'm within the next year. I want to go, and okay. I w- unless I have to go back and listen to this whole thing, I, I'll, I'm going to bother you again. I'm going <laughs> to bother you again with an email, right? And then you just go. Here's the link. Here's my list. Just go.
1: I should put it on my website. That's a really good idea. But yeah. I will send it to you when you can. Thank
0: through. you. And I will pass it along.
1: You can be the first to look at
0: it. <laughs> Speaking of your website, let's get your plugs in. Um where can people find you and the book and, and their uh give me all your and your social media and everything.
1: Yeah, so um I do have a website which is pretty easy. It's my name, S A R A W I N okay you are which actually isn't a very easy name <laughs> it's easy in that the website is my name sarahwinoker, um, dot com. so lots of information on there and i do have like some blogs and like links to social media and i am on you know facebook and instagram um the book can be bought um barnes and noble uh, amazon of course um, just independent bookstores should be able to find it pretty easily.
0: What did you think of this book writing process? And I'm sure did you, had you written like, um, for a PhD and if you're teaching, I'm sure you, did you publish any like textbooks or anything like before this and why a mystery?
1: I did. I have (laughs) good question. I, I had written or I have written, Lots of scientific articles and like chapters and textbooks and sort of analytical scientific kind of things. Um, When it came time to wanting to write a fiction book, I just thought that, um, you know, science in itself, um, you want to get to the mystery of why, you know, I've always loved puzzles. And science, in my mind, is like a puzzle. You've got to put all the pieces together to try to make sense of the whole. And so, I think I've just always gravitated towards um, towards you know not only is it entertaining um, reading, but um, but it's it's kind of solving a problem. And um, I I I most prefer reading books, whether it be historical fiction or mystery thrillers, that I learned something about another culture. So I thought that's the kind of book I wanted to write.
0: Okay. Did you find in your geneticist uh, studies that with all this tracking of Iceland, is it Icelanders or Icelandicers? Yeah. What, Icelanders. Like
1: Icelanders. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> Did they uh, Since their genes have been so isolated, I guess. Are they immune to certain diseases you find or do they have certain mutations that maybe they don't get diabetes or some kind of muscular dystrophy or something like that?
1: They do have, um, I can tell you of at least one mutation that they have there that is actually very protective against Alzheimer's disease. And so, um, and they've identified a number of quite you know other genes that contribute to heart disease and and diabetes and so forth. Um, and so what is happening with that company, which has now been bought, or it's under the umbrella now of amgen?
0: Oh yeah, okay. Uh,
1: the u s pharmaceutical company in in Thousand Oaks. And so what they're doing with that information is coming up with knowing what, what pharmaceuticals, what targets they can, they can address with pharmaceuticals to, um, you know, protect us from these diseases.
0: Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. Now I've, am worried about this on a lighter note. Uh, I don't consider myself an unattractive person, but every time I go to Scandinavia, I walk around and feel like a troll. Cause <laughs> Is it the same way in Iceland? Are just like gorgeous people just walking around everywhere?
1: I think you fit right in.
0: Oh, thank you very
1: much. No, no, seriously. Like they, everybody's
0: thin and beautiful, and it's like, what is in the water here? This is unbelievable.
1: But it's not true. It's interesting that there is quite a mix because not only did they come from Norway, but the Vikings stopped along the way uh, on the British Islands and picked up uh, quite a few uh, women. From either Ireland, picked or, up
0: is a nice way of yeah, saying you know,
1: it. Like, like <laughs> invited them to come with them.
0: Uh uh-huh. Stole them. them. Stole them. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: And so you're you will see people with dark <laughs> hair, with red hair, with blonde hair. Like there is surprisingly uh, quite well. Not, I wouldn't exactly call it diverse, but they don't <laughs> right. all look. They don't all look the same.
0: Different shades of white
1: different they all, have <laughs> white, they all have very white skin
0: yeah not a lot of tanning there i'm guessing
1: no, no but uh but there are there there's there's a range it's probably it's probably more so than like in sweden or norway
0: yeah i was cheering for them in the last uh world cup yeah how far they would go It's just like it was amazing yeah you know and in america because i'm a soccer fan how they would just say this country of 350,000 people is doing better than us and we have <laughs> 330 million, uh, athletes to choose I, from. And Oh God. Yeah. That was, that was fun, fun to see the whole, uh, country come out to support them. And yeah, it was yeah. great. The president was at the game and,
1: you know, speaking of the president, I don't know how much time we have, but, um, the, so I first went to Iceland in 2013 just to kind of like learn about the genetics stuff. And then I just enjoyed traveling around there. And then the next year there was a, uh, conference called the Iceland writers retreat which is actually happening again this weekend after this. It's virtual this year. But okay, to get back to the point, um, as part of that conference, they took us on a day trip outside of Reykjavik to go see the, you know, the geysers and the waterfalls and so on and learn a bit little about the history. So the tour guide was sitting in the front of the bus with the microphone and he was a history professor. So he was telling us about the culture and the history and what we're seeing as we go along. Um, Turns out, and he was the husband and is the husband of the woman that runs the conference. So three years later, this guy runs for president and wins. (laughs) He is now the president of Iceland. (laughs) This tour guide that I had on my...
0: Your tour guide is now now the president. president.
1: Yeah. And uh, his wife is just she's the first lady and she runs this conference and she's she's just lovely and smart and very interesting in terms of, you know, writing and, and, and her background. And so it's, you know, you can kind of be anything you want.
0: <laughs> so no problems with English and everything getting around and. No, like
1: that. they all speak except for really. Unless
0: language. you're out in the sticks. <laughs>
1: Yeah, if you're, like, on a farm with just older people or something, they might right. not, but that's why they're worried about their language.
0: Yeah, you know. they're their culture getting washed away. Yeah. In terms of speaking of washed away, and we'll wrap it up soon, but I know I'm a diver, and I've seen the effects of, like, reefs and, and things around the world and, yeah. and just, you know, the weather in general. I mean, our... Are the ice, Icelanders, are they tackling the climate change? Have they talked about it? Are they working? Have have they noticed any changes in their weather? Their weather's so extreme, and in places like that, are they going, you know, these winters are getting shorter or something, and you know, we're getting less rain or something?
1: You know, it really has not changed dramatically over the last hundred or two hundred years. They live um um it's the Arctic sea that kind of swirls around Iceland and it sort of keeps it within a reasonable temperature range. So it it never gets to like 50 below or 30 below it, it's cold and snowy, but um, I, I have not experienced, I mean, I haven't lived there enough to really know and I have not heard anyone speak of, the effects of climate change yet. on
0: Yeah. Usually the canaries in the coal mine tend to be like the farmers and the fishermen, you know, all of a sudden it's just like, we are not getting the catches that we used to get. And uh, you know, the crops we can't, you know, the, we can't grow like we used to. And (laughs) that kind of thing. And so I'm just wondering how an Island like that is going to, or sea level rise, you know, I mean, if they're building up the sea walls and seeing it, you know, because I'm usually the, the um, at least as the Scandinavians, I tend to think like Norwegians and uh, Swede, so they're pretty good about planning for the future, you yeah. know, and just like kind of like building their up there, unlike us, we're kind of denying yeah. it. <laughs> right. They're actually building up their infrastructure and seawalls and kind of planning for right. what it's going to be, right. <clears throat> you know. Yeah. Uh, interesting on that. But it's thing like a car there, usually in these islands, like – just buying a car or like for the locals because you have to import all this stuff that it's very expensive and the taxes are usually pretty high on it.
1: Yeah. The, the, the cars are very expensive there. And so mm-hmm. you'll see a lot of, a lot of kind of beat up old yeah. cars that still get around and that's fine. They're not really into like status and I've got, you know.
0: Yeah. And usually the gas is super expensive.
1: Yeah. It's expensive. It's not outrageous.
0: And they get their energy it's geothermal energy, right?
1: Most of it is geothermal.
0: That's so pretty have, cool.
1: Yeah, so most of their, you know, their hot water, their shower water, uh, you know,
0: um methane. I think the electric car is going to be big there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they uh even the the greenhouses are powered by geothermal water. That's great. Yeah. So Come on,
0: a little bit about you. You like the uh the lagoon. Did you go to the lagoon? You went to the Blue Lagoon, didn't you?
1: I have never been to the Blue Come lagoon. on. I seriously have not. And I hate to just, dis- I hate to say this because so many, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know the Blue Lagoon is powered, or basically it's water that's run off from a hydroelectric plant?
0: I did not know that.
1: Yeah. So it kind of takes away from the, like, Oh, it's just a lovely natural geothermal pool.
0: So it's not a spring? It's not a natural spring? No. No. Oh.
1: It first runs through the hydroelectric plant.
0: Oh, well, now you just lost your job at the tourist uh,
1: No, but, board. however, if you go to North Iceland, it's a different story.
0: The natural springs.
1: Natural springs. One is called Midvatn, which is just beautiful and natural hot springs. There's another one called Goc, which is like, it's like a geothermal hot spring infinity pool overlooking the fjord all in one. (laughs) (laughs) And just absolutely gorgeous. And then lots of little geothermal pools dotted throughout the country. But the Blue Lagoon, meh.
0: Uh, Too touristy. Yeah. Do they have the uh, like the uh, uh, Scandinavian kind of spa culture, like saunas and things like oh, that? Yeah. Is it-
1: oh yeah, like almost on a daily basis. That's what they do for exercise. Generally, mm-hmm. is go to the pool.
0: Yeah, they, yeah. They
1: swim a lot in the morning just to you know get exercise. I mean, of because you know for most of the year, much of the year, you know, you can't really go out jogging or <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: And there's the skiing there is yeah, not that great. We have been skiing, but that's that's a whole nother story. Oh, right. I didn't think of that. Yeah. Um, so really, most of the exercise is, well, first of all, they're hard workers, a lot of them on farm. <laughs> that's yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, and then uh, but but there are community pools and it's like a social event as well as just health.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to think other than soccer, what I know, Iceland athletes. Of four, oh. and other than that, it's like weightlifting, like strong men yeah. they they're like the Yes, strong men. strong men, yeah, they're just like all of a sudden they've just dominated that that sport, just lifting <laughs> things they're just super strong.
1: wasn't that guy from Game of Thrones? I think he was I like,
0: think he's another one, yeah, yeah
1: and um and then uh, the winners of like cr- international crossfit competitions
0: yeah <laughs> fitness. Well fitness yeah. and weightlifting and well, yeah, that kind of,
1: like strong and into, you know,
0: yeah, it's a hard life, you know, lifting boulders yeah. and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So again, tell me the name of the book.
1: It's called double blind. And then the subtitle is the Icelandic manuscript murders.
0: Okay. So I know you've already cast uh, the movie in your mind. Who's playing the lead? Aside from me, by the way. Yeah, so I'd like
1: to see either Kate Mara or <laughs> Jennifer Lawrence.
0: Oh, yeah, okay.
1: Because the forensic geneticist, she's young. She's like 27.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, and her, her brother disappeared 20 years ago when they were both. They, they're twins, and they were only seven years old at the time. So she, she's only 27. She's a young woman. So... Um, so she's 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 my uh my first choice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well that sounds cool. That's great. Um Sarah, thank you for doing this. Well thank Stay you. Stay in the line. I want to talk to you after after I close this, but we didn't even talk about all the other places you've traveled to, which I know you kind of been to a, a number of places.
1: Yeah. Well I've been I haven't been to a hundred countries. I've been to I counted sixty.
0: Oh, That's a lot.
1: It's, you know, I, I was, I was thinking, man, I've, I've just traveled so much in my life. And then I I was like looking at, I think there's something like 195 countries. And yeah. I was like looking at all the ones that I had actually traveled to and it was only 60. And I was like, Oh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> most people like Americans maybe only get to under 10, you yeah. know, if they're that like, so we're very, very fortunate. Yeah. um. And we didn't even talk about any other big mishaps that you had in Iceland other than the snowmobile accident. Any other near death experiences?
1: Well, I get I did get um trampled on by a horse. <laughs> oh god. Um, and you know those Icelandic horses they're like really they're really little but but sturdy and strong, you know. Basically just like Iceland, you know. <laughs> right, swear. right. And so I was, uh, I had talked to my son's girlfriend into going with me and she was kind of nervous about it because she'd never been horseback riding. And uh, so she gets on the horse. She's fine. And then I go to get on the horse and the whole saddle starts like sliding down toward, you know, it wasn't buckled in. (laughs) So the horse got totally spooked, bucked me off and stomped on my foot. And I literally almost lost my foot. I had to come back to the States. I was in the hospital for like weeks. Oh no. Yeah. So that, um, they're strong, but they're just, they actually have a really (laughs) gentle temperament. It's just that the saddle wasn't put on properly and got quite spooked by that. (laughs) So you know it's 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 not it's not um, somewhere you want to go if you're a little timid of, of nature.
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's your agenda when you go back?
1: Well, this time around, uh, one of the main reasons we want to go is just to see the people that you know we've befriended and the families, and um, we have a, a, some friends that are coming with us that we sort of want to show around, and we've done so much there that uh, not not the you know, that we won't enjoy just as much doing many of the similar things, which is uh, you know. That's great. Just enjoying the north and I don't know, hanging out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What do you think, I mean, 60 countries is still a lot and what do you think all this travel uh, has taught you about yourself, about people and how has it changed you as a person?
1: Yeah, I think that um it has really opened my eyes to the realization that everyone wants the same things you know we all just want um security we want our families to be protected we want um you know yeah sure there are different beliefs but um but people in general are really good people and really helpful. And even in the most dire circumstances, want to help each other, even if they have very little money, you know? So it's really heartened me how, you know, the goodness in people.
0: That's great. Well, thank you for doing this.
1: Well, thanks for inviting me.
0: Yes. It's Sarah, Sarah Winoker. I said it right. Right. All right. right. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you for doing this.
1: Okay. Take care.